Amen. Thank you, Cortez. Appreciate that. Amen. It is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. We'll be in Psalm this morning, Psalm 121. We'll be uh, leaving the parables for uh, for this Sunday, maybe for a couple of Sundays. We will be coming back to them, but we'll uh, uh, branch away here just for a little bit. Uh, just some things the Lord laid on my heart we want to take a look at uh, this morning. I do want to say it's good to have uh, Joel back. I don't know if y'all seen him yet. He came back and went straight to work in the sound booth, but good to have Joel back. He got back, I guess, around 6 o'clock, I guess it was, yesterday evening. He got back from camp. If you pay attention, Joel was a counselor on the red team, and every Friday he dyed his hair red to, you know, show some team spirit. And if you pay attention, I think the back of his hair is still kind of red, you know, so you can notice this. He really gets into the team spirit, but boy, I'll tell you what, had a great, a great summer working there at the camp. And if you notice, there's somebody hanging out with Joel. If you pay attention, you'll see somebody hanging and out with him, he managed to uh, deceive a young lady, and uh, she came back to spend this week with us, going to help out with VBS, but appreciate Bree uh, being here, looking forward to her working with us, if you see Joel, get him to introduce Bree to you, he'll just hide from you if you don't chase him down, but uh, just thank the Lord for his goodness, getting Joel back safe and giving him that opportunity to serve. Psalm 121, I don't know about you. But have you noticed that the world, at least our world that we live in right now, and the world as a whole that we can see is depressed? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that pretty much anybody you talk to is discouraged? Anybody you run into is depressed? There is a general air of sadness that has permeated our culture. Now, I know that there has always been some of that. Sin has a way of doing that to a culture. But boy, it seems to me that over the last couple of years, and especially over the last several months, our culture as a whole has become depressed. I mean, anybody you want to talk to, uh, they have plenty to complain about. Now, I'm not saying that there's not plenty to complain about. There definitely is. Uh, but it seems that it is on the forefront of everyone's mind uh, just how bad things are. And boy, I'm telling you what, this general air of constantly talking about how bad things are uh, has resulted uh, in a general depression. Now, it's not affected everybody. There's a few folks uh, that have managed to stay immune to it, but overall, boy, I'm telling you what, there is just a depressed spirit, and it's leaked into the church house. I don't know if you've picked up on that. But boy, you come to church and you're ready to worship and it's time to fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ and we're all just tired and weary and discouraged and depressed. And here we sit in our pew and we're hoping to get cheered up, but the weight of the world is on our shoulders and boy, I mean it has just weighed us down. I have experienced myself. I'm not preaching just at you and saying I'm exempt. I've experienced it myself. Have you been to the grocery store lately? I'm telling you what, you go to get the groceries and what you used to be able to get for $100, uh, uh, you, you can't even fill the bottom of your buggy up now. 
Uh, I mean, it's, everything has changed. Everything's gone up. Uh, you stop at the gas station uh, uh, to fill your car up with gasoline. Uh, and boy, I'm telling you what, it'll cause a sadness in your heart. Uh, uh, whenever you see that number, just keep rolling and rolling. Myself, I, I you know, try to just put 40 or $50 in my truck and stretch it as long as it'll go. I run around on empty all the time these days. I'm like, hang in there, little truck. We can get a couple more miles out of you. I'm telling you, it'll cause a, a little bit of sadness. Uh, I was looking at buying lumber for building a, a platform in the tent for vacation Bible school. Something that should have cost a couple of hundred dollars for the lumber I was going to buy uh, last year. They would have cost me a couple hundred dollars. was going to be close to a thousand dollars worth of lumber uh, to build this platform. I mean, it is just crazy how things have changed. And these things uh, will begin to bring us down. Not to mention the fact that the coronavirus showed up a couple years ago and it just won't go away. And it just keeps cropping up. Uh, and it just keeps affecting people. It keeps interrupting our family plans. Uh, it keeps interrupting our jobs. Uh, it keeps interrupting our schedules. Uh, it keeps making life inconvenient. Uh, and this begins to get discouraging. And then if you turn on the news and you see all that's going on around the world, uh, all the fighting and all the chaos uh, and all the turmoil that's going on around the world, uh, you hear about the mass shootings that are taking place. Uh, I'm telling you what, uh, it would depress anybody. It's a depressing time that we live in. But you see, here's where the problem is. As Christians, this is where we are supposed to shine. You see, anybody can smile on the mountaintop. Anybody can smile when things are going good. Anybody can smile when everything is where it ought to be. But I believe that sometimes we equate a good economy and a calm world as being God's blessings. And we equate a bad economy and things going bad as God taking away His blessings when that could not be further from the truth. You see, the Bible says that God... God will always bless His children, that He will give us joy unspeakable, He will give us peace that passeth all understanding. But when everything is good, we don't need that. If I got plenty of money in my pocket, all the bills are paid, all the cars are running well, nobody's sick in the family, now it's nice to have God along, but I don't need Him to be happy. My circumstances are making me happy. And what happens is I begin to rely on my circumstances for my joy. Now you can meter this in yourself and see if the same is true of you, but whenever you're going down the road and you say, boy, I'd like to have myself a coffee. Maybe you don't drink coffee. I'd like to have myself a Mountain Dew. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you want an energy drink, whatever it is. You're going down the road and you say, I want myself a cup of coffee. And you pull into your favorite coffee shop and you pull out your wallet and you got plenty of money to buy whichever coffee you want. You order up your favorite coffee. You tip the barista. I mean, you're, you pull away happy. But you pull up to the, to the coffee shop and you're sitting there in line and you pull the wallet out and you open it up. That's right, I bought gas on the way here. <laughs> I can't afford a coffee. And you will feel your spirit. Now, maybe you're better than me, and this don't happen to you, but I believe it happens to everybody. You will feel your spirit begin to deflate. And if you don't grab a hold of it, you'll leave there feeling grumpy. 
and the wife or the husband will call you and you'll snap at them on the phone. You see what happens is we have begun to depend on our circumstances for our joy rather than depending on God. This is where Christians are to be different than the rest of the world when things are going bad, when things aren't like they ought to be, when things are beginning to turn the wrong way, Christians can continue smiling because they have something the world does not have and that is they have the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. You see, the problem is whenever we run into these kind of circumstances, we begin to think that we're the only one facing these problems. Problems. But let me tell you, everybody is facing these problems. It's not just affecting you, it's affecting the whole nation. Everyone is experiencing all these changes. Everyone's having to adjust. Everybody's having to figure out what they need, what they have to have and what they can do without. Everybody's having to change their schedules because of COVID. It's affected everybody. You're not alone. God's not picking on you. It's not that somebody has an agenda against you. No, what's happened is mankind has been proceeded as mankind always does and Christians should be standing out in the fact that the circumstances of life cannot steal our joy. Now, this morning we go to Psalm 121 and we see here that David has found himself in a place where he needs some help. Now we don't know the circumstances behind this psalm. There's some speculation. We don't know it for sure. But we do know that David has found himself in need of some help. And here in Psalm 121, we see an outlook that I believe can brighten our spirits, even in the face of adversity. In Psalm 121, in verse number 1, very familiar psalm. Some of you may even be able to quote it from memory. David says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get into the message this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Lord, we thank you for the dear people, Lord, that have gathered together this morning. Lord, as we look into your word, Father, I pray that the promises of your word will encourage us. Lord, we're all affected. Lord, the things that go on around us, Lord, has a tendency to dampen our spirits. Lord, we've been blessed. We've been blessed with material things. And Lord, we've allowed ourselves to depend on material things uh, to be the source of our joy. And Lord, I pray you forgive us. And Father, I pray as we look into your word this morning that Lord, you will challenge our hearts uh, and encourage us, Lord, to get our eyes off of the things of the world uh, and to get our eyes upon you. Uh, and Father, Lord, to find our satisfaction, uh, to find our peace, uh, to find our joy through you this morning, Father, I pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us. Bless us now as we look at it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.
We look here at this psalm and we see that David is going to the Lord, which is always the best place to go when you're in need of assistance. And David is going to the Lord. And when he comes to the Lord, that's the first thing that I see is that David makes a life-changing action. As David comes before the Lord, he makes a life-changing action. And this action changes his outlook throughout the remainder of the psalm. We see here, in verse number 1 that David says, I will lift up mine eyes. I will lift up mine eyes. And what he is referring to here is that he will focus his attention on the Lord Jesus, on his Creator. The first thing David did when he found himself in need of help was he lifted up his eyes. In Psalm 108 and verse number 12, David there says, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. In Jeremiah chapter number 17 and in in verse number 5, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. So if you look to man, this is your outcome. But, but, verse number 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Verse number 8 says, For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. A comparison is made here between those that put their trust in man and those that put their trust in the Lord and the Bible says if you are looking at man you will suffer but if you are looking to the Lord you will be blessed. Psalm 20 and verse number 7 says some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of our Lord. In the first verse of the text David said I will lift up mine eyes. I believe the first step to finding peace in a troubled world is to refocus our attention. Now we know this, but sometimes we have to do it. The first thing we can do to finding peace is refocus our attention. David said in Psalm 37 and verse number 25, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Now, I've heard some people who have a problem with this verse. They say, how can that be true? Because I've seen Christians go through suffering. I've seen Christians go through diseases. I've seen Christians have a physical suffering. I've seen Christians not have as much as maybe we thought that they ought to have. How is it that this verse can say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread? Well, those that have a problem with this verse are once again looking at material things as blessing. They are looking at material things as the identification of God being 
with Him and not recognizing that there is something far deeper to the Christian life than material things. The Bible says in regard to our material things, He said having food and raiment be therewith content. That pretty much eliminates everything else that we rely on and hope to have and complain about when it doesn't work. He said if you have food and raiment be therewith content. Material things we don't need a lot, but something that we do need as spiritual beings that God has created us to be is we need a relationship with a spiritual father. We need a relationship with a God that will talk to us and intercede with us and fellowship with us. That is what we need. And he said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. You know what that means? That means when I do have a sickness and I'm laying in the hospital, I have the presence of the Almighty God beside of me. It means that when the money isn't going as far as I think it ought to, I know that I have the Father that owns the cattle in a thousand hills and He will meet my needs. It means that I have a God who will always be with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is always right there by my side. Regardless of what may come. You know something that I've noticed? The more you have, the harder it is to be grateful. Stick you on an island somewhere with no food and water, leave you there for about two days. Two days would be plenty. And show up with a bottle of water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you will be more thankful than you have ever been in your life. Put you in your home with all your comforts and all your amenities and everything you enjoy and somebody show up and say, hey, I was thinking about you today and wanted to be a blessing and they hand you a bottle of water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you might say thank you and after the door closes, you're going to make fun of them. What in the world were they thinking? Bringing me a bottle of water and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Maybe you wouldn't be completely disrespectful, but inside you would wonder, well, what was this about? You see... The more we have, the harder it is to be grateful. And sometimes, whenever we begin to lose those things we think we need, we become ungrateful and it affects our spirit. And I say this as a rebuke to myself as well. We quit acting like Christians because we are dependent on material things. David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous Forsaken. The first step to finding joy is to look up. A few years ago, a little video was made popular in kind of a campaign against people being consumed by their cell phones. And the name of the video was Look Up. You may have seen the video. It was pretty common a few years ago. And it showed the video of a young man and he had his phone open and he's walking down the street and he's bypassing people, he's bypassing stores, he's bypassing everything and he's just on his phone, looking at his phone. We might could add this in as a little side rail. If you're guilty of this, you can learn an extra lesson from this. But this guy's just consumed with his phone and he goes through life and basically he's missing life because he's not looking up from his phone. He's consumed by what's inside this box. And boy, I'm telling you, I'm fighting. I could really run some rabbit trails here, but I'm trying to make the application to the message at hand. But then they play it again, and the young man's walking down the street without a cell phone. 
He sees a shop that's selling some, uh, uh, some uh, delicacies and he stops and he gets himself a delicacy to eat and he's walking down the street and now he's eating his delicacy. He comes to the intersection. There's a young lady there needs help across the intersection. He helps her with her bags and gets her across the intersection and as the video plays, he ends up marrying her and raising a family. Why? Because he looked up. Now you can make that cell phone application if you've become a prisoner to your phone, but that's not the application for today. The application is a lot of times we go through life the same way as that young man was going through life looking at his phone. We go through life and we're not looking up at our Father who is in control of everything. But instead we're going through life and we're consumed with all that's going wrong that truthfully does not matter. But we're consumed with all of this and we're so consumed with all of this that we miss that there is a God who is in control and everything that is happening is happening according to His will that He might bring to pass something far bigger than what we're going to have for supper tonight so He can bring to pass some prophecies and some promises so that He can take His children to an eternity in heaven. He's working on something way bigger but we're missing it because we're not looking up. The first thing that David did here was he lifted up his head. He looked up. In verse number 2, we find that when he lifted his eyes, he found a needed affirmation. When he did look up, he found a needed affirmation. In Psalm 121, in verse number 2, David said, My help cometh from the Lord. I have a helper. I have someone who can sustain me. I have someone who can help me. In Psalm 46 and verse 1, David said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He said in Psalm 124 and verse number 8, our help is in the name of the Lord. In Psalm 146 verse number 5, he said, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. In Isaiah 41 verse number 13, he said, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. In the book of Hebrews chapter number 13 verse Verses 5 and 6, the Lord says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that ye may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. In verse number 1, David lifted his eyes up away from the circumstances of the world and the trouble around him. And in verse number 2, he refocused his eyes on the one who is able to help him. As long as we are looking to men, I'm telling you, we are going to live a discouraged, depressed, and defeated life. But if we get our eyes back on Jesus and quit putting so much importance on material things, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to correct you this morning. I'm guilty too. But boy, I'm telling you what, we put a lot of importance on material things and our importance that we place on the material things stops us from being able to live a victorious life when the material things aren't where we think they ought to be. Well, I'm telling you what, we need to realize that we have someone who will help us. In the remainder of the psalm, David then began to describe the Lord. First, he lifted up his eyes. It's a life-changing action. 
Then we see that he made an affirmation, the Lord is his helper. And then for the remainder of the psalm, the last part of verse number 2 through the end of the psalm, he describes the Lord as a qualified aid. Someone who is qualified to help you. He said in verse number 2, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. David liked to use this phrase. If you look through the book of Psalms, you'll find that he often referred to God as his helper and the reason that God was qualified to help him was because he was the creator of heaven and earth. What is the significance of that statement? Well, the significance of that statement is that everything that affects me, everything, Everything that I know and understand, anything that I can see, anything that my brain is able to comprehend, anything that I am able to sit down and study and dissect and dig into the deeper meaning of it, anything that I can access was created by my helper. That means he has 100% control over anything and everything that affects me or that I even know about or hear about. He is my helper and he is the most qualified helper because he created everything that affects my life. The Lord is my helper. Why am I content when I remember that he's my helper? Because he created heaven and earth. Everything that relates to me, he created. You know, there are some who are willing to help, but they're not able to help. Brother Robbie called me. I guess it was Friday. Brother Robbie called me. He said, uh, wanted to know if I was nearby. He needed help loading a heat pump on his truck. I said, Brother Robbie, if you can't get it on the truck, I'm not going to be much help. I mean, I don't know if y'all ever worked with Robbie much, but I think he could pick the truck up. I mean, that boy's a bear. He said, need help loading this thing. And so I go over there to help Robbie, and I think he just wanted to talk to me because he put it on the truck. You know what? There's some who want to help, but they're not qualified to help. They're not able to help. They don't have the skills needed to be able to help. But David, David recognized that this helper was able to help him. David then highlights three characteristics that identify the Creator as a help to minister to our soul. We'll try to go through these quickly. In the end of verse number 3, in the beginning of verse number 5, we see that David describes him as a tireless keeper. A tireless keeper. At the end of verse number 3, it says, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. Now what is a keeper? Well, to just put it in, in simple terms and to where we can understand it, uh, uh, sometimes Kale uh, will make me a card or she'll make something, she'll draw me a picture or something like this and she'll bring it to me and she'll say, Daddy, can you keep this? Well, it's pretty special to me because my little girl made it for me. I have a, a craft on my wall right now that says some, you, that you love Daddy or I love you, something like that. It's on my wall. She made it for me. Will you keep this? Yes, I'll keep it. It's precious to me. My daughter gave it to me. I'm going to keep it. What that means is uh, it will be with me. Sometimes you'll have something that's worth a little bit of something and, and you'll hand it to someone and say, hey, I'm getting ready to go r run this race or I'm going to go play Ultimate Frisbee with the teens or uh, I'm going to do something. Can you 
keep this. I don't want it to be lost. I don't want anything to happen to it. I want to make sure that it's secure. I want to make sure it's here when I come back. Can you keep it? And you give it to someone you trust that will take care of it so that they will not lose it. We've been to a couple of weddings lately. and In Jody and Hunter's wedding, the groomsmen kind of acted there for a moment like they had lost the rings. And in the rehearsal of Jacob and Michaela, they were joking about losing the rings. And boy, I'll tell you what, the rings in the wedding is important and you want to give them to somebody that's going to keep them. They're going to see their importance. They're going to make sure they're secure. They're going to make sure they're available when they're needed. David said, the Lord is my keeper. I don't know if that made a chill run through you like it did me. David said, there's trouble. There's problems. There's difficulty. But I really am not worried at all because the Creator of heaven and earth that made everything that affects anything that has to do with me. He's the one that's keeping me. So what harm can come when I know that the Lord is my keeper? Of course, the question comes up. Anytime you uh, trust a human with something, we have natural areas of weakness. One of our greatest areas of weakness when it comes to security is falling asleep. Boy, hundreds and hundreds of stories have been written about the guard that fell asleep and all the chaos that happened because of it. But David said, the Lord is my keeper. And just in case you're wondering, he never, ever sleeps. He never uh, slacks off uh, of his responsibility. Uh, There's never a time when he is not aware uh, of what is going on. Uh, In other words, there is nothing, uh, not one single thing uh, that can come into my life uh, that my Creator doesn't know about, uh, is ahead of, uh, and is taken care of for me. The Lord is my keeper. We see that He is a tireless keeper. But not only that, we see at the end of verse number 5 through the beginning of verse number 6 that David describes Him as a refreshing shade. A refreshing shade. Now in our day we have air conditioner and we're pretty spoilt with our air conditioners and just staying in where it's cool. But boy, I remember when I was a kid and we didn't have any air conditioners and I'd be out there... Uh, working in the garden, hoeing the tomatoes and working in the corn and the beans and I mean that son be baking down on you and the mom would come out with some water or some tea for us uh, and we would go sit uh, underneath the shade tree. I'm telling you what, there is nothing like going underneath the shade when you've been in the heat of the sun. It is refreshing. I mean, it'll restore you. It'll give that energy back to you. You can relax in the shade. And David said here, this is how, not only is he my keeper, and he takes care of me, and I don't have to worry about anything in my life because he's the one that's keeping me. He said, not only that, but he refreshes me the same that a shade would refresh the worker. He said in verse number 5, The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now I want to point something out about a shade tree. Maybe you say, I've never experienced that shade. Well, maybe I can help you understand why. In order to enjoy the shade, you've got to be pretty close to the object that's given the shade. I might have a beautiful shade tree in my yard, but if I'm standing several feet away from it, I don't get to enjoy the shade. The only way I can enjoy the shade of the shade tree is if I'm really close to the shade tree. 
This here says, The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. In other words, if I'm staying close to the Lord, His shade is staying over top of me. But sometimes we get so consumed with the things of the world that we begin to neglect the things of God and we begin to get away from God and then the things of the world begin to bear down upon us and we're not experiencing that shade. How do I rejoice in that shade? I get back close to the Savior and His shade will refresh me. He is thy shade upon thy right hand. And then finally, this morning, we see that he is our eternal preservation. He is our eternal preservation. He's our keeper, but it's not temporary. He's my shade, but it's not temporary. He has gives us eternal preservation. There in verse number 3, the first part of the verse, he says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Then you drop down to verse number 7. He says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. You know what, this morning? I'm just a preacher. I'm not a prophet. I can't foresee the future. I can listen to the news. I can listen to people that study economics. I can hear people that have theories I'm not a prophet. I'm no different than you are. Just a servant of God surrendered to proclaim His Word. And that being said, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. I don't know if things are going to get better or if they're going to get worse. I have no idea. I know according to the Word of God that we are in the last days. At least it certainly appears so to me. And the Bible says that in the last days... Things will get worse and worse. And when it's speaking of things that will get worse and worse, it's talking about the things here on this earth and the things that make up the life on this earth. So although that does apply to sin and wickedness and people leaving the church and the gospel, it also applies to the way of life and the comforts of life. All, all this is applied. It speaks of earthquakes and pestilence and wars. All, all this is part of the last days. So I can't tell you if things are going to be better next week or worse. I really can't. According to the Word of God, I expect things to steadily get worse throughout my lifetime. But one thing I can tell you is that it doesn't matter how bad it gets. Brother Rick, I know that I have a heavenly Father who's going to be right here beside me. I know that, Brother Ted, if it gets to where I can't afford my favorite kind of coffee anymore and I can't go to the coffee shop anymore and I have to rebrew those grounds four or five times a week before I'm able to get fresh coffee, I know that i got a Savior that's going to be beside of me. Some of y'all may have to give up your Mountain Dew and switch to water and just drink water. It'd be good for you to find out you're a lot healthier in a little bit. But you know what? You have a Father that's going to be right there beside of you. And I want to tell you, as Christians, we need to get away from looking at material things. We need to get our eyes off of these material things and we need to get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now believe me, I understand that when you're paying that much for gas and paying that much for groceries, the paycheck don't go as far as it used to. And I know that can be discouraging and I believe that we should have some wisdom and we should think it through and we should look at what's happening in our economy and determine how we can be the best stewards of what God has given us. And I believe all that is necessary, but it shouldn't be the thermometer that determines my spirit. My spirit ought to be governed by the fact that I have a heavenly Father that loves me. 
And you know what? It's only going to get so bad, Brother Tommy, before we're taken out of here anyway. I'm not going to experience the worst of it. I'm going to be gone. Old preacher used to preach in camp meetings and he'd sing this song, I'll be gone, I'll be gone. When that tribulation enters, I'll be gone. I'm telling you what, it can only get so bad before my Savior calls me home. I've never, never seen the righteous forsaken. He said in Psalm chapter number one, he said, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You say, well, how, how does that apply? Well, you know, I think about the, the, the Jews when they were in Egypt, and the plagues were affecting the land of Egypt. But over here were the Jews. Darkness over all the land, except the Jews, they, could still, they still had light. Go through all the plagues. Egyptians are suffering. The Jews are being protected. You know what? I believe that things are going to get bad. We are going to have to make some adjustments. The economy may get a little bit tight. Uh, there may be some new diseases that we got to learn to cope with. Uh, but I believe overall uh, God's people uh, will continue to prosper uh, while the wicked suffer. Uh, and we need not put ourselves uh, with the wicked. Uh, we need to recognize uh, that we are a chosen generation. Uh, we have been called out. Uh, we are separate. Uh, we are peculiar. Uh, we are his people. So quit looking around and lift up your eyes. The Lord is our helper. I don't know if y'all needed that message this morning, but I did. Boy, I tell you what, it does us good once in a while to remember that we're not alone in this life. We have a heavenly Father that loves and cares for us. I ask each of you to stand there where you are. Miss Debbie, make her way to the piano. This morning, I ask you, have you been getting worn down by the circumstances around you? Has the uncertainty of material things been still in your peace? This morning, I invite you, lift up your eyes. Follow David's example. Lift up your eyes and recognize that the Lord is our keeper. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, all the hope that I've talked about this morning doesn't apply to you. But all hope's not lost because the Bible says whosoever will may come. And this morning as Miss Debbie plays, if you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to come to this altar and make for sure that you will spend eternity with Him. Miss Debbie, you play. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.
Ryan. Thank you for being in the Lord's house this morning. I pray that God's word encouraged your hearts and reminded you that we have a heavenly Father that loves and cares for us. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. If you're part of Vacation Bible School, if you volunteered to work in any uh, area, please make your way down to the fellowship hall. I'll be down in just a few minutes, have a brief meeting, and make sure everybody knows where they're at and where they're serving, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the service tonight. Tonight we'll have a special speaker, Brother Rudy Holland, uh, is a good friend of Brother Rick Ramsey's, and I'll just say that I let him come on Rick Ramsey's recommendation, okay? So uh, y'all can look at Brother Rick if you don't like him tonight. No, I believe Brother Rudy will be a great blessing and uh, he'll be uh, speaking for us in the service tonight. Brother Tim, I'm going to ask if you would pray and dismiss us. Father God, have your spirit. Touch our hearts and let us see how fortunate we are to have our God like you to worship a Savior that has brought us salvation. Father, we are only sojourning here for so many years and then we will return home where we will live with our Savior for eternity. Father, there's nothing better than that. Help us to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Help us to come back tonight to hear this man of God, that we might receive another blessing today. I pray this in Jesus' holy name.